0: Go ahead and nudge somebody sitting next to you and say, he said everybody. It's everybody, all right? How many of you occasionally or often feel pretty stressed out? How many of you would say, that's me? All right. How many of you would say, Aaron, man, the bills have really piled up due to the economic situation in this country or, or because of my job situation or whatever it is that I often or sometimes feel stressed financially? Who would say that that's you? All right, And then how many of you would also say that, man, Aaron, I really wish I had more time in my schedule to spend time with people that are, well, more time just for myself and then more time with those people that I love? Who would say that that's you? Yeah. So, so if you're looking around this room, there's hands all over this room. And the reason those hands are up is because we live in a culture today that really pushes us to our limits. They want us to do more. They want us to buy more. They want us to accomplish more. They want us to more more. That's what they want us to do. They just push us to do things. And I would say say that the, the pace at which we are living today is unbiblical and unsustainable. In fact, it's incredibly unhealthy. Like just for example, in today's culture, it is widely popular to grab your kids and get them involved in anything and everything you can get them involved in, even from the age of five. They've got every program out there, every sports program, every music program. Everything is available starting usually around age five. And your kid that don't know what taekwondo is is in a robe doing taekwondo. Now listen, I'm not against taekwondo or activities. I'm just saying we get our kids involved in everything. We have four or five nights a week where our kids are doing activities and we impose that upon them. And then the schedule of the activities that we impose on them imposes itself on us. And so we find that we are busy We are stressed and we are busy. We have no time to think about it. We have no time to talk about it. We have no time to examine our lives or the issue in our life. We we just don't have time. Most people have very little margin in their life in the most important areas. So what is margin? And I'm glad that you asked that. Let me tell you what it's not. First, I'm saying margin, not margarine. Margarine is a butter substitute. Margin... (laughs) Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary, all right? Or if I say it a different way, it's the difference between what you have and what you need. So if I've got 30 minutes to get to work and it's a 20-minute drive, I have 10 minutes of margin, okay? If I have $100 but $80 of bills, I have $20 of margin. If I have two Chipotle gift cards but I only need one to buy lunch, I have... Margin. I have, I have another Chipotle gift card. Right. I got one card of margin. You say, Aaron, how does this play out in my everyday life? I'm glad you asked. See, if you were to get to that meeting that you're supposed to get to 10 minutes early, you, your, your stress level goes down. If you have money left over at the end of the month, that would be having margin. Some of you are like, what is that? Let me say it a different way. It's when you get to the end of the month and there's money left over. It's this revolutionary thing. It's crazy. That's called, that's margin. Or maybe it's the distance between you and temptation. Some of us have these, these buffers built into our lives where, where man, we know that, that we're, we're struggling emotionally right now and we just might go off the edge and get ourselves entangled in some sin. Others of us have the emotional capacity to deal with the problems of life so that when you're a little kid, Johnny, when Johnny comes up to you and says, Mommy, I got an issue, you don't lose it on little Johnny, right? It's, it's having that emotional capacity. It's having three or four nights a week in your schedule that are free and clear where there's no activities at all. It's having extra time. It's having extra money to invest in people or ministries that you believe in. It's having extra time to think, to reflect, to meditate, or to even dream. It's also having significant time with God. It's not just those one-second prayers where it's, help God, or it's, Thank you for this food or now lay me down to sleep. Like it's 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 having significant time so that you can actually enjoy the presence of God. Margin is what most of us don't have. And I'm convinced that the best things happen in the margins. Best things happen there. Today we're going to be looking at Luke 10 to start this entire series and we're going to be looking at two different women. Uh, one that was living a life without margin and another who had taken time to create margin and ultimately experienced something that couldn't be taken away from her, all right? So we're in Luke 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha... Was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, let me me break it down for you what's happening here. There's two women, Mary and Martha, that had the exact same opportunity to spend time with Jesus. Who's Jesus? Well, according to them, in that day, you already heard Jesus was traveling around. What was Jesus traveling around doing? He was healing people, he was casting out devils, he was raising people from the dead. He was preaching life-giving words and giving people an opportunity to turn their lives over to God and repent. And people loved him. Even sinners, even people that were far from God loved Jesus. And they, they're saying, this guy could be the Messiah. This guy could be the Christ, the anointed one, the one that's come to free us from oppression, the one that's come to offer us freedom, the one that, that, that is promised to come. And Mary and Martha are like, Joy, this is so awesome. But they both have very different responses. Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. She created margin in, their li- in her life. Now, that doesn't mean that Mary had nothing to do. It means that she chose what was better for her. Instead of doing her to-do list or doing her, her laundry or grocery shopping, whatever she had to do, Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. She created margin in her life to be able to do that. But Martha, Martha chose to busy herself. I mean, after all. If the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, was actually in your house, wouldn't you be like Martha too? Because she's in there cooking up a storm. He's gonna have my best meal. I'm making some pumpkin pie because it's fall, y'all, and I'm having it. Bless the Lord. She's. I'm getting out the best china. He's gonna eat off the best plates. And i got to get to the bathroom and make sure that the toilet paper roll is on right because it needs to be on the outside, not on the inside, because the inside's ungodly. <laughs> Jesus is in the house. <laughs> now, when you look at the list that Martha was busy about, you'll notice one thing. Because most of us assume that, that when we get busy, we're busy about bad things. And you're kind of feeling some condemnation over that and feeling guilty. Listen, this is not bad things that Martha was busy about. It was all good things that she was doing because it's not always the bad stuff that that you'll get tangled with. You see, the devil will try to tangle you up with temptation. He'll try to get you to sin. He'll try to get you to live a life contrary to God's best for you. He'll he'll try, but if he can't get you to sin, what he'll do is he'll try to make you busy doing a whole bunch of good things that aren't necessarily God things because there's good things that are gonna accomplish some good things, but there's God things that if you pay attention to them, you'll find that you're most blessed. And that's where I want you. Like for me, I, I'm telling you, before I launched this church, I'm, I, I miss it. I get busy sometimes doing the good things. I, I'm just like you. I miss out on the God things. A few years ago, before we launched this church in 2012, I'd taken a tech job, which was just here on Main Street across the street from Kmart, right next to Bryce Road. And on my lunch hours, I would go over to the Kmart parking lot. It was still open at that time. And I would sit there and I would read my Bible. I would read books uh, about God and about Jesus, theological books, and I would pray. That's what I would do with my time. I'd grab some Taco Bell or McDonald's, wolf it down, and then spend the rest of my hour doing that. Well, one lunchtime I had a book that I needed to return to the library, and the library is just across the Kmart parking lot. So I go across there and I drop it in the book slot and I'm headed back over to get my lunch. And to go sit in the parking lot and pray and read. Good things, right? As I'm driving behind Kmart, I see this guy dumpster diving. And the Holy Spirit's like, you need to pull over and give that guy the $20 that's in your pocket. And I was like, no, we're going to go ahead and drive. I got praying and reading to do. Besides, that sounds uncomfortable to me. (laughs) I mean, we're behind the Kmart. If you've ever been behind the Kmart, that's some shady space. (laughs) And I argued with the Holy Spirit all the way out past the Kmart and into the parking lot where I was going to get some food and pray and read. All good things. And he said to me, he said, Aaron, is this not what you ask for when you pray? For opportunities to be a blessing to people? For opportunities to love people? I was like, oh, you right, you right, you right. So I whipped it on around and I went back. But look, I was so busy about good things that I almost missed the God thing. And I'm going to tell you, that was totally a God thing. I gave him the $20, and he's like, man, he started crying. He said, you don't even know. I'm here dumpster diving trying to get, get cans because I only needed $16 to pay my rent. Now my rent is paid. And I was like, well, bless the Lord, what else can, can God's humble and, and noble servant do for you today? So I bought him some lunch. We prayed with him. I listened to his story. It was incredible. It's a God thing. And I almost missed it because of my good things. And I I think we're, we're, we're all like that. We all get consumed accomplishing the urgent, what we think is the most important, and we're missing out on what actually is important. Mary and Martha are in this situation right now, both of them. And Martha is stressed out. And so she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I have no idea. Why a southern bell in distress just came out of my mouth. <laughs> but it's what I got. Martha was convinced that what she was doing was right. She was convinced that her busyness was the right thing. She was convinced that Mary was lazy and she was trying to get Jesus on her side, all right? Now, here's the challenge that I'm already well aware of with this message. The subjects we're going to talk about today and over the next couple of weeks the reason you are living your life in the way that you're curring, currently living it is because you think it's right. That's why you're doing it. You wouldn't do something you intentionally knew was wrong, something you intentionally knew was unhealthy for you. Aaron, how dare you assume that I would live that way? And yet we do. You, we're, we're doing what we think is right. We're doing it this way because all the running around, all the, the, the tight scheduling, all the soccer games, all the stuff that we're doing... All the shiny new stuff we have to have, all the clothes that we have to wear, all of the likes that we need to get on Facebook, all of that stuff, having a packed schedule, and doing everything that everyone else is doing is what we've determined is right. Because busyness is how everybody else does it. But as Christ followers, we've missed something huge here. Matthew 7, verse 13 says, The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for the many that choose the way. In other words, if you're going to go the same way almost everybody else is going, they're not going a way that leads to life. They're missing it. They're missing out on God's best. If you want to do it just because everybody else is doing it that way, fine. Everybody else is jumping off a cliff. You going to jump off a cliff too? Right, as my mom always used to say to me. The verse continues in verse 14, it says, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only few ever find it. Man, it's important that we know that that if we're going to have life, we need to start doing things different than the way the world does things. We've got to figure out a new way to be. We've got to figure out a way to have margin in our lives. That's why the words of Paul in Romans 12 are so important. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I don't know why we all think that the the way the world's doing is right. I'm not sure. He says, don't be like everyone else, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. What we're going to talk about is going to shake some of you. It's really going to shake you to your core, and you're going to really consider living differently. Others of you, you're going to be like, huh, that was nice. I mean, it's a good message, Pastor. You're going to high-five me on the way out the door. Very good. Ooh." There's some things in there that I'm gonna mm, I'm gonna think about and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna apply to my life. There's just some small things. Listen, can I just be perfectly honest with you about this? If small things were the things that you needed, you'd have done them a long time ago. It's not I'm talking about living your life radically different and living in a way that 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 you understand there are changes needed in my life because the way I'm living is unbiblical and an unhealthy pace of life and that it's ultimately against God's best for your life to live at the speed you're going. Back to Martha. Martha's going to Jesus, and she's like, Jesus, tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm right. And Jesus looked at her and said, no, in your production mindset, you've missed the moment. And being so busy, you've missed out on what's so important. He says it this way. He said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Oh, man, that verse just speaks so much to me. Anybody else identify with that? You're worried about so many things. You're stressing about it. You're walking the floor at night. You're wringing your hands. All the uncertainty, all that is unknown, you are worried about things. And as a result of being worried, now you're upset. You're upset and you're pointing your finger at everybody else who's not worried and upset like you. Hey! Tell her she should be in here with me. She's all worried about having the place ready for Jesus. And we get caught up in that mess. So worried that we're upset. Misery loves company, doesn't it? And we just want everybody along there with us. Why aren't you stressing out? How do you have peace? They're upset. Jesus says, but only one thing is needed. Notice it's the difference between what's wanted and what's needed. Mary has chosen, that's important, chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You need to understand today that margin is a choice of yours. You, you get to choose it. You say, Aaron, listen, that's really cute of you to tell me that margin is my choice. You're a pastor. You only work one day a week. You've got six days of margin. Okay. Come hang out with me for a week. See, if, see how much margin I have in my life. See how much, how much I do work. Others of you, you're going to push back and say, well, what about my boss? No, you still have a choice. Well, but what about, my, what about my kids? No, the choice is still yours. What about the social and financial pressure? No, the choice is still yours. If you choose what is right, it will never be taken away from you. So what happens? What happens if you stay on this path? Well, let me, let me tell you what happens. If you continue to live a marginless life, no boundaries, no margin. First thing that happens is when your margin decreases, your stress increases. For example, many of you on your way to church today getting ready, you got a clan that you've got to bring to church with you. And somebody did not prepare. Somebody did not have margin in their life. You're already laughing because you know who it is. Don't point. That's not nice. We don't need to do that in here, okay? But as a result of their lack of preparation or getting up on time this morning, their five minutes turned into 20 minutes, and now you're late for church. And so what's happened? You've lost your margin, the margin to arrive on time. So on your way to church this morning, what are you doing? You're bickering. You're stressed. You're arguing with each other. I couldn't believe you. Why couldn't you get up a little earlier this morning? I told you to get ready last night. I told you to lay out your clothes and make sure it was okay. Rawr, 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 rawr. Hallelujah! Oh Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah! But I don't love this person sitting next to me. They're jerks. Hallelujah. Like, we're stressed, man. Or maybe you're in a marriage and and uh, you know. Maybe you're married to somebody that spends money, and they they spend it frivolously. And no matter how many times you've told them, hey, we need to live a certain way, they continue to spend money. Maybe you're the one doing it too. And then something breaks at your house. Good Lord. No margin. What happens? Stress. The stress of the broken thing. What if it's a car, an air conditioner, the TV? Ah. What, what, what happens? I Man, you got, you got the stress of that which is broken and the stress of how we gonna pay? What are we gonna do? You, you're just, you're stressed. Living marginless causes stress to increase and when you decrease, or when your margin decreases, your relational intimacy also decreases. This is what happens across the board for all of us. That when your margin decreases, when you're too busy... You got so much that's going on in your schedule, your mind rarely disengages from that which it thinks is so important. In other words, that relationally, you'll be present with people, but you won't be present with people because you're thinking about what you've got to do. You're thinking about your next. Some of you are doing it right now. You're in a room full of people and you're disengaged because you're like, I've got so much to do. You're already thinking about it. We get lost. I'll tell you a huge, a huge thing, a huge killer of this today. One of the things that we are so busy about, and and hear me out, I don't have a problem with social media. I have social media accounts. I pick on it a lot because you don't realize the damage it's causing. That if you don't get your arms around this, you're gonna find that your relationships, your real ones, the ones that matter, will diminish greatly. Because social media has us busy about going out on that date with that person and getting the perfect selfie. So 10 shots later, we finally got one that we needed to edit and put a whole bunch of filters on and post, and then all we do is pay attention to how many likes and how many comments we get, and then we're responding to that, (laughs) and oh, it's so funny. And the person we really love is the person sitting in front of us. We do the same thing on the soccer field. Our kids are playing soccer. We get a picture. We want to post it, and then we start engaging with all the comments, and, and, and next thing you know, I mean, it's really easy. It's happened to me, and I know that it's happened to you. We get on the social media to post a picture, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they had that for breakfast, <laughs> and we, we start this, right, the scrolling, and we forget that we're there watching the soccer game for our kids to play. Now, I'm not picking on social media. Maybe I am a little bit, but it's... It really takes people away from what's most important right in front of them. It's the saddest thing to me to see a whole family sitting there at a, din- at a dinner table out at a restaurant, and all of them are staring at their screens, every single one of them. They're staring at their screens. They're looking at social media. They're playing a game. They're reading the news. They're catching up on what's important to them, and they're missing out on what's most important in front of them. They're relationally suffering. And one of them sitting there, ironically enough, taking a picture of their meal and saying, having a great meal with the family. Ha, 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 ha. No, you're not. You may be with the family, but you're not with the family. Well, I've seen marriages get in trouble. Marriages get in trouble relationally. No, you need to make time for that. Like you made a whole lot of time for it when you were dating. Now that you got them, you're like, "Ah, I'm going to go ahead and busy myself about a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's not bad stuff. It it could be as simple as, well, I'm going to be on this team at the church, I'm going to be on that team at the church, and then I'm going to serve at that outreach, and then I'm going to go to this outreach event, and then I'm going to do that. Like, it's all good things, but you leave no space in your life for the most important relationships. You lack margin. Your time and your energy margin has decreased, so relational intimacy decreases. It happens with people, but it also happens with God. I'll run into people and be like, man, how are you doing? Haven't seen you at church lately. Are, are, did you get into a group this, this season? Are you going to take growth track? Do you know what their response is? It's always one word. No, I'm a little too busy. Eh, it's busy. We're all just a little too busy. <laughs> just a little Busy well, how are you and God doing? Well, you know, me and God were doing really great. I was reading my Bible, I was praying, I was really trekking really well with him, but you know how things go, you get a little busy and all of a sudden, relationship suffers. Too busy for people, too busy for God. And we think this is normal. This is what we call normal. So why do so many of us live marginless lives? Why do so many plan to slow down but never do? Why is it that we don't radically cut back on our schedules so that we can spend time with our kids that we only have for such a short season? Why? Well, the answer is found in this. Most of us don't wholly and completely and totally trust God. We just don't trust him. That's it. We don't have enough faith to trust that God is good, that he's on the throne, that he'll handle the details of our lives, and oh, that his way is better. We we just don't have enough faith. We're afraid that if we slow down, we'll miss something in our life that will ultimately fill that void that we're looking to fill. That's what we're looking for. Say, all right, we got to work hard. We got to make money. We got to have nicer things. We got to be at the meeting, because if not, I'm going to miss out on that one thing that I'm looking for. Can I tell you That one thing that you're looking for, you're never going to find it outside of a relationship with God. Solomon, the wisest and richest man who ever lived on this planet, had everything. He had money. He had fame. He had women. He had it all. He had hobbies. He had opportunities. He was smart. Like the guy was super smart. He had it all. And do you know what he said about achieving the next level of success? It's all vanity. It means nothing. There's no joy in it. I thought I was gonna find happiness. There's no happiness in it. The only thing he found happiness ever in was a relationship with God. Because that bar of happiness that you're shooting for, that thing that that you're allowing to keep you so busy is a moving target. Once you get there, you'll still find that you're unhappy, so you assume that it's the next thing that will make you happy. And, And it's just not. It's just not the case. Many of you today have more money than you've ever had, and you're still stressed out. Most of you have better opportunities than you've ever had, yet you're more empty and exhausted. Why? Because you're filling your life with things that don't matter. What is that called when you do that? When you elevate that which is good to that which is supreme? It's called idolatry. It's called idolatry. Where you make something good into God where you start pointing everything in your life towards it, saying, this is where my happiness is going to come from. As a result, we're distracted by our production. We're distracted by our worldliness. We believe, you know what, my marriage is in trouble, so what I need to do is get a bigger house. We believe, well, if I get a nicer car, then I'll be happy. Or if I have a better job, then they'll think something of me. Or if my kid has does sports and does music and does all these activities, they'll get the best opportunities available to them. Or we say, well, I need to have the perfect body because my soul is not as valuable as my body and as the likes that I get on Instagram. Wow. There's no end to the more. Because that, that more, that better that you think there's on the other horizon that offers happiness is not real, it's an illusion. And it's idolatry. And it's killing marriages, it's killing families, it's killing relationships, and it's killing the relationship with God. That's what's happening. We're missing God's best by elevating that which is good to that which is supreme. So here's what we're going to do the next couple weeks. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. You guys ever had one of those before? When we sit down and we just talk some truth, it might be a little uncomfortable for some of you, and that's okay. I, I think we need to be confronted with some uncomfortable truths sometime, because truly, Listen, I'm not coming down on anybody here. I'm not mad at anybody. God's not mad at you either for the busyness of our lives. He understands how easy it is to slip into a rhythm where we pattern our lives after the world. He understands. There's nothing but grace attached to this message and to this entire series. So don't feel like I'm condemning you, but know that I'm going to tell you the truth so that you have an opportunity to have God's best. Amen? Can you get on board for that? Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn to live not according to the pattern of the world, but according to the, to the rhythms of God's grace. That's where we're going to be in this, in this series. So I want to help you. I want to help you identify and choose that which is better, so that when you get to heaven, you have the ability to look at God and hear him say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, you manage your relationships well. Well done, you manage your schedule and your finances well. Well done, you, you manage your resources well. Well done. That's what we want to hear God say when we get there. And I want to help you be able to hear that. Speaking of well done, those of you that are getting baptized today, if you're in this room, you can go ahead and be dismissed. There will be somebody to meet you in the foyer to help you do that, all right? But for those of you that are here today that are experiencing the pain of stress from marginless living... Here's what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. He says, hey, parent that's falling apart right now, come to me. He says, hey, business guy who's losing it all, come to me. Hey, mom who has no margin for herself in her life, come to me. Hey, you who are overwhelmed, come to me. This is Jesus' call. He says, come to me, and I'll give you work. I'll give you stuff to do. I'll give you something else to squeeze in your calendar. It's not what Jesus said. He said, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Oh, we need rest. Rest is so good. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, which is what we're going to do over the next couple weeks. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Listen to these words. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you assurance, tranquility, and rest for your souls. Many of you are like, rest, what's that? If you're, if you're like, like I used to be, you go on vacation and don't even rest. I mean, vacation is supposed to be a break. Many of you go on vacation and you take work with you. Or when you go on vacation, your schedule is stacked from the beginning to the end. We got to be here, we got to be there. It's go, 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 do this, selfie with that. Hey, we did it all. And when you get back from vacation, what do you need? A vacation, that's right. You need a vacation from your vacation. You left yourself no margin. Even when you're at home during the regular work week, many of you, every single night of the week, you feel like you've got to have something to do because your worth and your value are attached to that. You feel like if I don't have something to do tonight, then then I'm worth nothing. And so you fill your time with activities. You never give yourself margin. Never give yourself a break. Well, there's moms here. You have no time for yourself, you, and, and if you did have time for yourself, and you did do something for yourself, you feel guilty about it. Listen, are you listening to that? that? I mean, that's. I love you, and I'm telling you, that's a very unhealthy place to be, moms. You need a break. All the moms, can I get an amen? amen. Even if it's a reluctant one. You need a break. Well, there's guys, and guys I know, know. dads, husbands. Listen, I understand that you find your value from working more, conquering more, earning more. But you need to have margin in your life too. You, You need to be what Psalms 46 says. It tells us to be still and know that I am God. If we're going to throw down idolatry, we need to learn to be still and know that I am God. Now, a lot of us, You know that's the first step in your spiritual journey is knowing God, that's why you're here, you want to know God, and you're getting to know God, you're reading your Bible, you're getting to know Him. And that's awesome. You can tell me lots of things about God, but you really have a difficult time being still. That's a really hard thing for you to do is to be still. We don't know how to do that in today's culture. In fact, let's try that real quick, you ready? We're gonna be still for 10 seconds. So if you're taking notes, put your notes down. If you're playing on your phone, put your phone down. If somebody's playing on their phone next to you, elbow them a little bit. Tell them, listen to the man. Just kidding. Ten seconds. See if you can do it. Just close your eyes and breathe starting now. Felt like an eternity, didn't it? Felt like forever, didn't it? But I'm going to tell you, there's a value to being still. See, it's in the still times that you really begin to understand yourself. It's in the still times that you open yourself to hearing God's voice. I did this a few months back with my boys, and I was reading a book, and and they were like, what you reading, Dad? I love when my kids ask me questions like that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm reading on about being still, how to trust God and just be still, knowing that he's good, knowing that he's faithful, knowing all these things and choosing in, the, in reflection of that to just be still. And they were like, wow, they, they said, that sounds pretty easy. I was like, does it? Let's try it. So I challenged my boys to be still for two minutes and so they closed their eyes and I set a timer. And then they said, that was pretty easy. Can we do five minutes? I was like, sure can. Set another timer, I continued to read, and they sat still for five minutes. And they said, wow, that was, that was pretty tough. I said, you think you can do 10? Yeah, because I'm no dummy, that's what I'm saying, like 10 more minutes of silence, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Couldn't get my daughter to play along with that, I'm not sure why, but. Um... <laughs> but my boys were, were up and they tried it. 10 minutes, I set a 10 minute timer, I continued to read, and, and they closed their eyes and sat there for 10 minutes, and two things happened. At the end of 10 minutes, the one son, my, Trent, he looked at me and he said, Daddy, I, I felt like God was speaking to me. He said, I heard his voice and he was talking to me about something. I was like, that's awesome. And the other son, you know what happened with him? He didn't open his eyes. He fell asleep. Wait, well, watch what happened. In both instances, in a moment of rest, Both of my sons discovered and received exactly what they needed. One of them needed to hear God's voice on a matter, and the other needed to sleep. And so I let him sleep the entire night through, right there on the couch, passed out. And I think that that this is a good starting point. Because listen, if you can't handle five minutes of being still, which is what I'm gonna ask you to do this week, you're gonna really struggle with what we're coming up with next week. Because this is baby steps, and I want you to go with me on this journey. This week, I want to challenge you. Take five minutes every day. Just be still before God. Invite Him into that time. Say, Lord, I need you. I welcome you. Come sit here with me. I welcome your presence. Just, just, just do that. I know that sounds oversimplified, but just do it. If you don't do it, you're never going to know whether you can do it or not, whether you've got an issue that you need to deal with. Maybe you're too busy. Make five minutes this week and do it. And here's where we're going for the rest, of the, the rest of the time. Today is just an introduction to margin. Next week we're going to talk about scheduling margin because so many of you are so busy that you have no space to handle what life hands you. Week three we're going to talk about financial margin. This is where, where you've got some, some, some space in your life financially. Many of us don't have that because we're, we succumb to the pressures of this materialistic and consumeristic world. I, I understand it. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to help you with that. And the last week we're gonna talk about moral margin. Moral margin, many of us, because we live a life that is so busy, we just don't have the heart or the head space to have moral margin in our life, to put in good buffers to make sure that we don't get entangled with sin. Because can I be honest with you, most of the sins that we get entangled with on a regular basis, the things that we do that, are, that take us far from God, that are not his best for our lives, the things that we tend to get entangled with that way are things we are doing to escape the current pressures of our life most of the time that's what it is those repetitive things in your life that you always turn to it's to escape something and you need to have some moral margin in your life and so want to help you with that but here's where we're going throughout this entire series is really seeking God's best for our lives when it comes to the subject of margin because here's what will happen if we do the Lord will guide you always He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's what I want for you. Listen, when you stop living according to the pattern of the world and instead live according to the rhythm of God's grace, you'll never be the same. You'll discover margin. And the thing that you choose to have in your life will never be taken away from you as a result. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would just take us on this journey and a journey towards margin. And I pray that in this moment, God, that you would just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, that, you, that, that we would just be in tune with what you're saying to us today. That whatever it is, we'd be ready and quick to respond, to repent of our idolatry if that's the issue in our lives where we've elevated good things to God things. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us, that you would reveal that to us. Help us, God. Teach us to live according to Your rhythms of grace. Now, there are many of you in this room that that right now you're like Jesus said you're weary and heavy burden, and the reason is because you're carrying the weight of your own life, and you were never intended to do that. You're carrying the weight of your decisions. You're carrying the weight of your past and the mistakes that you've made. You're carrying the weight of your own future. You're carrying all of it, and you were intended to be in relationship with God, where He would give you His grace, He would give you His peace, He would give you His strength, He would offer you guidance for tomorrow, and He would settle the debts of your past. You're intended to be in relationship with with God in that way. Unfortunately, you and I were born with something called sin, and God is a holy God and our sin separates us from God. But don't 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 fret don't be in peril see there's this intended life we're supposed to have it's outside of our grasp and God knew that see our sin requires death it requires us to die as a result and it's not just a physical death it's an eternal death in separation from God but God in his love and his grace sent Jesus his son who would live a perfect and sinless life who that even though death was not required for him He would willingly give it, and he laid down his life so that you and I would not have to die eternally, so that you and I could be forgiven, so that you and I could have eternal life and have life here on this earth as well. Jesus did all that for us. And so today, a relationship with God is possible through his son Jesus. The way that you obtain that is just receiving the free gift he gave you. It's called salvation where Jesus literally pays the price for you and saves your life. The way you do that is just by accepting it. We do that by talking to him, saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I accept what you did for me on the cross. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. I know you do, and I'm willing to follow you. If you're here today, and that's speaking to your heart, you're exhausted, you're weary, and you want to enter the rest that God has for you, pray that prayer with me today. And if that's you and you're gonna do that today, if you're gonna join in on that prayer, nobody here's gonna embarrass you. In fact, in a moment, we're gonna celebrate a decision that you're about to make. If you're ready to make that decision, would you just slip your hand up so that I can see you, so that I can identify you, say, Aaron, that's me. Do that now, slip your hand up now, do it, do it. Don't don't delay, don't be scared. Thank you, I see your hand, thank you. Thank you, I see your hand, thank you. Be bold, be bold, it's awesome, thank you. Church, we're gonna pray together. There are people saying yes to Jesus. Pray everybody together. Nobody prays by themselves. You say, Aaron, what if I don't believe it? That's okay. You can practice for the day that you do. So let's pray. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. And I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. And show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on church, can we celebrate with the people that have said yes today? Let them know it's the best decision they ever made in their life. Now for those of you that made that commitment today, listen, I wanna tell you, this is the greatest decision you've ever made and I'm gonna ask you to make one more. You're not intended to understand or know this journey that God has laid out for you on your own. In fact, the Bible, God is all about his people and you're now one of those people. So we welcome you into that family. And I want to tell you that as a church, we've prepared something called Growth Track to help you understand God's plan and purpose for your life. We do that every Sunday morning during second service. So that's this service right now in our conference room. And it's four simple steps, first and second, third and fourth Sundays of the month. That's all I'm asking for. If you'll give me those four Sundays, I promise you, you'll see clearly and understand God's plan and purpose for your life. You'll understand why you're here on this earth and how God intends to use your life to make a difference in someone else's. And I promise you, that's what you want to spend your life doing. And so if you would, make that commitment to go to Growth Track, You don't have to sign up. You don't have to tell anybody you're going. Just go. Next Sunday is step three. And if you want to wait until step one, that's fine. It's the first Sunday of the month. Just make a plan. You've made it. You've taken such a huge step to say yes to Jesus today. Say yes to the next step he has for you, please. Make that commitment. Amen. At this time, we're gonna receive our tithes and our offerings and uh, continue our worship. Now listen, if you're a guest with us today, you're under no obligation to give. We're just really glad that you're here. Uh, And and as they serve you today, listen, we're gonna do something a little different, all right? Uh, I know that that typically on a Sunday morning, we sing another song as they pass the buckets and then we dismiss. We're not gonna do that today. We're not dismissed yet. We're actually done way early. We're done about 10 minutes early, y'all. Can I get a witness up in here? But we got a bunch of people that are going to be celebrating with in baptism, people that have made a decision to follow Jesus and have said, this is how I want to spend my life, and I'm going to make a public confession. So, so I'm asking you to stay with us. We've had our kids join us, which is awesome. And, and this is just an incredible opportunity for you to celebrate life change. So please stay with us. Let me pray real quick for the offering, Lord. Thank you so much for all you're doing in us and through us. Thank you for where you're leading us in this series. I pray, God, that we would discover margin in every area of our life so that we can make the most important things the most important things again. Lord, we love you. Help us reach more people that are far from you with every dollar that is given today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.